put this huge wad of gum on the back of this chair? It wasn't me. I didn't do it. Well, you were the last one in the room when we went to lunch. Yeah, well, it wasn't me. Then who did it if it wasn't you? I don't know. I said I didn't do it. Welcome to You Don't Need a Confession to Teach Kids a Lesson. My name is Jeff Fink. I've been an educator in the Minneapolis-St. Paul area and spent a career teaching at a variety of grade levels in general and special education, as well as serving as a full-time faculty member in the Graduate School of Education at Hamlin University. And my name is John Halpern. I've also been in education, serving in public and private settings, as a classroom teacher and as a school counselor. And I've also worked with graduate students at Hamlin University. Together, through our company ChildSense, John and I have been presenting classes and seminars for parents and educators on areas related to child behavior. We utilize a unique style of presenting in that we act out different situations that are pretty familiar to listeners. And we do that for several reasons. It gives all listeners something common to analyze. It implants a memory of the concepts presented. And perhaps most importantly, it's entertaining. So we know you'll find the material presented practical and useful, as well as enjoyable to listen to. Today we want to share a story that we believe illustrates the role of a teacher. Have any of you ever been faced with a situation in your classroom when you've seen a student do something wrong, but they refuse to admit it? Or, you're pretty sure that they've done something wrong, but you didn't see it, and they won't admit to what you think they did. Why don't kids admit it when they've done something wrong? Because they're smart. <laughs> That's true. And admitting it means they're probably in trouble. And if they don't admit it, the teacher won't know what to do without their admission of guilt. Therefore, the student will get away with it and not be punished or held accountable for their behavior. Teachers may also worry about being criticized by parents, administrators, or even other students for blaming someone for doing something that can't be proven. Many teachers think that in order to hold students accountable for a certain behavior, the teacher either needs to observe the behavior or there needs to be an admission of guilt. When one of these happens, the teacher knows how to hold a student accountable for their actions. However, many times the behavior is not observed. And the student, for obvious reasons, doesn't admit to it. When this happens, teachers often throw up their hands and just give up because they don't know what to do. We believe that even when a teacher doesn't observe the behavior, or if the student doesn't confess, we can still teach a lesson. Here's a story from my teaching career that illustrates this. Three students came up to me to tell me about a classmate who they saw putting a wad of gum on the back of a beanbag chair. Rather than reacting and doing something immediately, I waited until I could talk to the student alone. Here's how our conversation went. Come here for a minute. I want to sit down with you and talk about something. I know why you want to talk to me. It's because my friend said I put gum on the back of the beanbag chair, but I didn't do it. Okay, well, let's sit down and talk about it. 
Do you think it's okay to put gum on the back of the chair? I don't know. I said I didn't do it. Why are you asking me? I didn't say you did it. I want to know if you think it's okay to put gum on the back of a chair. Well, I didn't do it. Why don't you go find out who did it and ask them? Well, I might do that. But right now I want to know what you think. Do you think it's okay to put gum on the back of a chair? I guess not. Well, then how would somebody fix it if they wanted to fix their mistake? I don't know. Why are you asking me? Why don't you find out who did it and ask them how to fix it? I might do that, but right now I want to know how you think somebody could fix their mistake. I don't know. I guess they could get one of those sponges with the sponge on one side and the scratchy pad on the other side. You're right. That would work. You can go back and join your classmates now. That's it? That's all you're going to do? Aren't you going to go find out who did it? I might, but my job isn't to find out who did it. I'm not a police officer. I'm a teacher. My job is to help students learn right from wrong. So that's it? That's all you're going to do? Yeah, that's it. You can go back and join your classmates. That's the story. The student identified that it wasn't okay to put gum on the back of a chair and that one could fix it by using one of those sponges with a sponge on one side and a scratchy pad on the other. Yeah, I guess she did all that. But she didn't clean up her mess. You're right, she didn't. However, a few weeks later, I came into the classroom before school and noticed I wasn't alone. The student I was pretty sure had put the gum on the chair, the same student I talked to, had one of those sponges in her hand, with a sponge on one side and the scratchy pad on the other. She was putting the finishing touches on cleaning up the gum on the chair and the wall. Well, that seemed to turn out all right. Yeah, it really did. I remember that day when I entered the room and saw her. I was tempted to yell, Aha! It was you! Fortunately, I resisted, remembering that the lesson already had clearly been taught. That was more important than getting a confession. It's nice that the story seemed to have a happy ending, but we all know it doesn't always turn out that way. Teachers often wonder, what if the student hadn't fixed it? What if the gum continued to sit on the back of the chair and was never cleaned up? Well, of course we want our students to own up to their mistakes and fix the problem. However, students aren't always ready to admit their mistakes. We believe, however, that admitting it was a mistake to themselves is better than nothing. In fact, way better. The student may not admit their wrongdoing to their teacher, but they acknowledged it to themselves. And we believe this is more important because they're developing their own morals of right and wrong. What do we want of our students who make mistakes? We want them to identify and expand their belief systems about right and wrong behavior. Sometimes that happens with an admission of guilt, followed by remorse and a genuine desire to repair the mistake. But when that doesn't happen, a discussion of what they believe can be effective in helping students learn from their mistakes. We believe, though, that if we can help reluctant students get this far, they're likely to at least be admitting to themselves that they engaged in a behavior that was wrong. 
They were able to identify that the behavior wasn't okay. That's a big step for some students. Additionally, they considered how someone could fix that mistake. This student moved along a continuum of accountability. She identified that the behavior wasn't okay, considered how to fix it, and then eventually even fixed her mistake. She might have only moved as far as identifying that this behavior was not okay. That might have been as far as she was ready to move at this time. In the future, she'll hopefully remember this interaction, and it may guide her towards a better choice. We believe that like any school subject, behavior is learned. And like any school subject, content is learned through guidance and at different rates. Our job as teachers, and what we are experts in, is breaking down hard subjects into smaller, more manageable parts so every student can begin learning from wherever they are. Whether it's math, physical education, or behavior, it's our job to help students develop knowledge and independence so they can approach mastery in it. They are being helped in developing their own moral code, their belief systems, and by taking a step-by-step approach, they are most likely to integrate it and be successful. We're confident that if teachers continue to teach behavior and values in this way, students will continue to grow. Are there times when a teacher does need to know who did a certain behavior? Yeah, well, clearly there are times when teachers need to try to figure out guilt. Most of the time, teachers certainly want to know. But whether it's a need or a want, teachers get to decide how far they need to push it. When to interview other students, when to look at security videos, etc. Regardless, we believe teachers' main jobs, however, is to look at all of this through the lens of how can I teach this student about recognizing right from wrong. In conclusion, we recognize that it's hard to be a teacher in today's world. They're not only responsible for teaching ever-changing content, but how to behave in an ever-changing world. Teaching students about being responsible for their own behavior doesn't only occur when students are doing the right things. It's also taught when they're doing the wrong things. This presents opportunities for the most authentic lessons and the deepest learning. Thank you for allowing us to share some of our ideas with you. We're confident that you'll find great rewards in applying this material to your professional and personal lives. We invite you to send your questions and feedback to us directly through our website at childsense.net or by visiting us on Facebook or LinkedIn. We look forward to hearing from you. Good luck with your important work with children. They're lucky to have you in their lives. And be sure to tune in to our next podcast released on December 12th. It will be about some of our regrets from our teaching careers. Jeff and John offer presentations on a number of topics related to working with children. Their entertaining style makes for a memorable learning environment where content is retained for the future use of its participants. Please contact John and Jeff at ChildSense for more information.